exposing a very real and present danger many are not even aware of. Next on Growing Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Somebody has well said that if you only pray when you're in trouble, you're in trouble and don't realize it. There's a danger of drifting spiritually, and those who have drifted are often unaware of it since drifting is so gradual and so easy to do. So we must be alert to the danger. Well, today's Grow in Grace will help us do just that. Pastor Ed Ray is making his way through the book of Hebrews. Chapter 2 will alert us to a danger we face, and it'll also provide the remedy. Therefore, we must give the most earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, reliable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, a free gift of salvation that God gives, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? It was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels. But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor, and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that was not put under him. But now we not yet see all things put under him, but we see Jesus. Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, by the gift of God, by our unmerited favor with God, by the grace of God, might taste death for every single one of us. Drifting, we're talking about drifting. Drifting is a motorsport that has kind of taken this nation by storm. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about the Bible and drifting spiritually. That's what's going on here. Not long ago in the city of St. Louis, there was a uh, unemployed cleaning woman who had a little problem in her home. She noticed that her upper second story above it was showing bees coming in and out during the day. And she kind of ignored it. You know, what's a few bees? What are they going to do? And it uh, got a, a larger and larger amount of bees coming in and out. But she still ignored it. Over the summer, the bees continued to fly in and out of the attic vent while she remained unconcerned and thus totally unaware of the growing number of bees. In a few weeks, the whole attic had become a beehive. And the ceiling of the second floor bedroom finally caved in under the weight of more than 400 pounds of honey. Thousands of angry bees. The woman escaped serious injury. The damage to her home, though, was extensive, all the result of her carelessness and her neglect. Now, 
Paul is talking about, if it is Paul who is the author of the book of Hebrews, we'll talk about that a little bit along here, uh, that he says that believers are in danger of that attitude, that attitude of neglect. Now, we become busy with all kinds of things. Uh, there's so many things that are good that we can do that often we do the good and fail to do the best, which is maintain our relationship with Jesus Christ. To simply say it, we drift from that initial relationship that I'm in love with Jesus and everything is good attitude because things of life come up and they press. The whole world is a battlefield covered with wrecks caused by neglect. A.W. Tozer said it this way, the untended garden will soon be overrun with weeds. The heart that fails to cultivate truth and root out our error will shortly be a theological wilderness. So, let me ask you to describe your relationship with God. It's one of these four things. Distant, aloof, maybe, separate. Secondly, casual, maybe a little flippant, taken for granted. Or thirdly, cordial, it's a friendly relationship with God. Or fourth, close, intimate, very personal. And we fit into one of those four boxes if you know God at all. So relationships drift, people drift, companies drift, institutions drift, and nations drift. I was reading this week about John Harvard, died in 1638, tender age of 31. A pastor who had come from England to Massachusetts and had a big impact on that area in the 1600s. Now, Pastor John saw his most important work outside of the church was with raising young men up to be pastors, and he did several. But then when it became apparent that he was going to die, on his deathbed, he wrote a will. He was from a very wealthy family back in England and had wealth of millions of dollars but didn't care about it. What he cared about was training these young pastors. And so he bequeathed his huge library of thousands of books and his massive estate to a fledgling college that was just starting. It would become, yes, Harvard University. And its entire focus was to be on training pastors. But institutions drift. And in fact, Princeton, Yale, and Dartmouth, Ivy League colleges, were all started for the training of pastors. What happened? I have a modern book called Finding God at Harvard, and the subtitle is You Can't. I'm afraid that that might be true. So 120 years ago, every one of those four colleges had a pastor as the president, and they all had been pastors all the way up to then. So institutions definitely drift. Not long ago, one of our students over at the University of Redlands brought me the school newspaper, The Bulldog. Maybe some of you are alumni, I am. The cover story had this opinion edition. It was entitled, Christians are mentally retarded. <laughs> it's another example of how far an institution founded by Christians, by Baptists, can drift over a period of time. First year I was there, it was required that every student go to chapel and every student had to take a religion course. After I'd been there a couple of years, they dropped the chapel. The year I graduated, they 
they dropped the religion course requirement. Now, it's only a coincidence the timing of those two events, the university's demise and my graduation. Now, it's not my fault. I didn't do it, really. But institutions drift. We see it, of course, in our own nation, that we have drifted far from the foundations of those that originally came here, that we are a nation that desperately needs to return to our roots, that the principles of God and country are very much needed again. So we pray for revival, that God would bring graciously once more to our nation a revival so that this nation might continue to be the nation that sends out more missionaries to the world than any other nation. We always hear about the bad influence that America has been on the world. Well, let me tell you, God's keeping score. We have sent out more missionaries than any other nation by almost twice the nearest nation to send out missionaries is Brazil, and they send out half of what we do. Smaller nation, so I'm not in any way depreciating what they're doing. So, in our text, we're talking about the subject of drifting. Not the kind with cars, but the spiritual drifting. Now, verse 1 and 2 is the first warning that's in the book. It's designed to prevent a specific form of unbelief. Each one of these warnings follow times of great encouragement. This is a letter written to a group of people who were Jewish, who had received Jesus as Messiah. They're probably outside of the city of Rome. They're in Italy somewhere. And because of political pressures that were coming on them, they're being persecuted. It's about 68 AD, Nero has been in power. He burned the city of Rome, blamed it on the Christians. And so these who are of Jewish heritage, that are Hebrew Christians, are being tempted to go back to just being a Jew. It's a lot simpler. Nobody's killing Jews at this point, but they're killing those pesky Christians. And so it would be so easy to just go back. The temple's already still there. It's about 68, so it'll be another two years before Titus Vespasian will come and destroy not just the temple, but the entire city of Jerusalem. So there's still sacrifices going on. It'd be easy to just slip right back into Judaism. Well, we don't know exactly who the author is. We'll come back to that in a moment. But this is a strongly worded defense. We saw in the first chapter that Jesus was better than the Old Testament prophets because he was God who brought a direct word as God to us. That Jesus is better than angels. And we had seen that in chapter 1 that the angels were important, but the, the Jews as a people had started putting too much emphasis on angels. They were very close to worshiping angels. And so now, because of those two great truths, that Jesus is better than prophets, Jesus is better than angels, what he said has great importance. And this is an exhortation, a warning, an admonishment to accept Jesus as your savior, if you haven't done that, and if you have, to keep a close relationship with him, which is where the drifting comes in. So we have three parts of this section, drifting, one, two, and three verses, and not angels, four and five, but Jesus, six through nine. You're listening to Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. He's introducing as well as outlining our scripture on the danger of drifting, found in Hebrews chapter 2. And now to take us verse by verse through our scripture, 
Beginning in verse 1, here again is Pastor Ed. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Therefore, looks back to the last chapter, because this is true, that God spoke first through prophets and then mediated through angels, brought words to men through angels. Angels uh, appeared to Jacob. Angels came and, and spoke. His name shall be Jesus, etc. So he raises this warning against taking lightly what the Son of God said as compared to prophets and angels. You think prophets are important. You think angels are important. Wait a minute, this is Jesus that spoke. Second word, we, is interesting. It's used five times in these three verses. Often the passage is taught as a warning for unbelievers, and that's true, it is. But keep in mind, it was written to believers, people who had received Jesus. So the writer keeps saying, we, but I like it because he includes himself. And we all need to be really humble about our relationship with God, that we received salvation by grace. We didn't deserve it. Nobody merits it. You can't do enough good things to earn it. But so we maintain surrender to his grace. His grace saves us. His grace moves us along, sometimes called sanctification. And then his grace will ultimately get us to heaven. So none of us can brag about having earned anything. So this author applies it to himself, the we, we need to be careful lest we drift, and we keep a very earnest heed to not drift away. Now, that's actually nautical terms. They are sailing terms. Earnestly heed refers to the mooring of a ship that is tied up to a dock or an anchor. Keep staying attached is what it's saying. Earnestly heed, don't look away, keep focused on this thing. And then drift away. Para rulo. Para means by or to pass by. Rulo means the flow. Miss the boat, we might say. That we're focused on something else and we miss a harbor entrance we were supposed to go into. There's only one harbor entrance that we need to be focused on, and that's this one called salvation. So we secure ourselves tightly to the truth, and we look or where God is taking us. Apathy, the thing it's warning against, leads to shipwrecked lives. Drifting is dangerous because it can go completely unnoticed until we're already in deep danger. Lest we drift away. And I, I wrote down some things that drifting characteristics of drifting that catch us all, myself included. Drifting, number one, requires no effort on your part. <laughs> you, you don't have to do anything. Just stop caring, stop praying, stop reading the Word, stop having fellowship, stop going to church, and you will drift. It requires some effort on our part to get to the spot where the glory comes out, to get underneath the spout where the glory comes out is an old spiritual. Secondly, drifting is an unconscious process. You're not trying to drift. You didn't start out doing that, but it just happens when you're not thinking about it. Thirdly, we never drift upstream. You can't drift against the tide. You always go with the tide. When we stand still, we're in fact going backwards. It's like paddling up a river or a stream. Many stop paddling with your canoe or your kayak you start going backwards. Fourthly, the speed of drifting increases downstream. 
The further you go away from your goal, focused on Jesus, your relationship with him, then the faster it deteriorates. When you quit reading your Bible, you don't really notice it right away. When you quit praying, it's a little slip further. When you've dropped all four of those things, reading your Bible, praying, having fellowship with other Christians, and going to church, you're already going full speed away from God. Fifthly, drifting is dangerous to others. You take other people with you. They're watching you. Ah, nobody watches me. They don't care about me. Yes, they do. They're watching you. If they're not Christians, they're hoping you're going to mess up. That's what I used to do. I look at Christians, I'm just waiting for them to really screw up. Because then that'll mean God's not real, and I'm off the hook, right? So if you drift and they see it, then they think, see, I told you there was nothing to this Jesus thing. Drifting is dangerous to others. And lastly, drifting ends in shipwreck. So many lives shipwrecked. I've seen, you know, in the years I've been here, so many people come to Jesus and be really excited about it for the first week. And then they start to drift. And you mean I have to read the book? Well, you know, you get eternity out of the deal. <laughs> We're talking about all of time in the future with Jesus. You mean I have to pray? Well, it's not have to. It's you want to because you fall in love with him. So I don't want you to reduce this in your mind to a set of rules and regulations because it's not. This is a thermometer. This is how you test how you're doing in your personal, in your heart relationship with God. So that's why the warning is here. The things that we have heard, this becomes a very important statement as we work through this a little bit more. He's talking about the power of the things that Jesus said that his disciples remembered and then wrote down and that their disciples and their disciples and their disciples all the way down to you, it's the antidote for drifting. So let me jump ahead just a moment and say, and put it on myself. When I find myself drifting because of these verses, I read the Gospels. What? I read the words of Jesus. And maybe you have one of those Bibles that it's in red, the things that Jesus actually said. Sometimes the, the translators get it wrong, but that's what's going to happen here. He's going to say, when you find yourself getting a little stale, your relationship with God, and you're trying to get back, which I pray that for those of you that are drifting, this little reminder will nudge you in this direction. Just crack open the book of John. That's where I go. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are great. But for me, John is the book where Jesus is God, obviously. First miracle, he changes water to wine. Try and do that one. As a chemist, try and do that. As a chemist with a million-dollar laboratory, try and change water to wine. You can't do it. I double-dog dare you to try. But the words of Jesus. So I was struggling recently. I turned to Luke, and I read these words, the words off of Jesus' lips. The thief on the cross says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the words of Jesus in response, <laughs> today you will be with me in paradise. That's really reassuring and reminds me of the grace of God. You see, this thief is a thief. He's probably also a murderer because that's how they usually ended up on a cross. Jesus didn't, but that's what they were accusing him of, insurrection. How did that thief get into heaven? I mean, he couldn't go to church. 
he was kind of tied up. He couldn't read the Bible. His hands couldn't even hold the Bible. It didn't sound like a very orthodox sinner's prayer to me, not like the one we use here. So, I mean, he could be disqualified just on that, having the right magic formula. I'm teasing. This is what goes through my mind. And I go, God, there's no other explanation. You love and care and give away to others this gift of salvation to anyone who will ask, no matter how bad they are. And you even let them sneak in at the last moment. That seems wrong. But the words of Jesus shout it. So when you're struggling, remember, today you will be with me in paradise. Or neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Or, and while the son was far off, the father ran to him and fell on his neck and he wept and he said, my son that was dead is now alive. That's Jesus. It's not you, sinner. It's you are a sinner. Come, I can fix that. And I love you and will do that. The things that we have heard the things that we accept, the things that we embrace in our life. I read a great illustration of this lady's in her home in Texas, and they're doing a door-to-door Gallup poll about religious subject. And a guy comes to the door and asks if he can ask her a couple of questions about her own beliefs. And she said, oh, sure. A little girl standing next to her. And he said, so do you own a copy of the Bible? And she said, oh, of course I do. And he said, Good. Next question. Do you read it often? She said, oh, yes, absolutely. Honey, go get my Bible. Little girl runs in. And he asks a couple of other questions about church attendance and things. And then the little girl comes back holding the Bible. And as she hands it to her mom, a pair of glasses fall out on the ground. And the woman says, oh, those glasses. I've been looking for them for three years. (laughs) We drift, don't we? (laughs) And then you do the math and you go... When was the last time I prayed? When was the last time I just sat down and read? The Bible's filled with people who drifted. They didn't see it coming. It says Lot, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah, the the nephew of Abraham. He he looked out across the valley and he saw the city of Sodom. And he said, "I, I need to move there. That's a great place. So he moves in that end of the valley. And then you read a little further and it says, and he moved up to the city. And then you read a little further, and it says, he's in the city. He's moved into downtown Sodom. He's drifting, and he doesn't see it himself. God rescues him from that. Pastor Ed Ray on the dangers of drifting and the rescue God is able to provide. How much better to stay close in the first place? Thanks for joining us for Grow in Grace We've heard just a portion from Pastor Ed's series of studies in Hebrews. You can listen to this program again on our website at thepackinghouse.org. We can also send you a CD copy. For this and other Christ-centered resources, go online to thepackinghouse.org or call 844-77-GRACE. That's toll-free, 844-77-GRACE. 
At Grow in Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word from Genesis to Revelation so that nothing is left out. We're grateful to the Lord when we hear of men and women that are growing in grace as a result of listening. And if that's happening in your life, would you please let us know? As this study of Hebrews continues, we want to hear from you. Email us today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And we'd also very much appreciate your financial support. Lives are being impacted, people are growing in grace, and your gifts help to make this possible. When you give today, you're invited to request a copy of Elizabeth Elliot's book, Through Gates of Splendor. In January of 1956, five missionaries gave their lives in the jungles of Ecuador and made the headlines around the world. You'll be encouraged and blessed as you read this compelling and inspirational true story. Allow it to spark a passion in your life to get the gospel of Jesus out to those who are without Christ. It's yours for a gift of any amount, so call us right now at 844-77-GRACE. We'll pick up where we left off in Hebrews next time. So join us as we grow in grace with Pastor Ed. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by the Packinghouse Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony.